right where you are with exactly what you have, you have the ability to make a difference in this world. You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter, because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. I'm Becky Keefe. I am a mom of three spirited boys. I always <laughs> like to say if anyone else has spirited children, I feel you. And I'm an author and a speaker. I am the community and editorial manager for Encourage, which is an online community. And we create resources that help women live their faith. It's part of the Dayspring Corporation. And so I love the work that I get to do there. And we have a podcast and daily blog and that kind of stuff. So I've always been a writer and a communicator at heart and love all the different outlets that I get to do that. And I am also a woman who struggles with anxiety. And looking back, I can see that that has always been a part of my story, but I wasn't able to name it until about eight years ago when I got to the point of being so not okay. I had to finally get honest with myself, with God, with my husband, with people close to my life and say, I can't pretend anymore. I'm not okay. And that really started me on my journey of going to counseling and exploring some of the roots of my anxiety and also just coming to terms with what is mental illness and use this word anxiety to mean a whole lot of things. It means like everyday stress and worry all the way to this like mental health diagnosis and just the fact that I was already a writer. It just was very natural for me to share parts of my story. And the more I did that, the more person after person, like, wow, you're giving voice to my experience. I didn't know that anyone else felt this way. And so I would proudly wear the name anxiety advocate because I'm really passionate. I think it's so important that we bring our struggles out of the darkness of isolation and into the light of shared experience. Because when we do that, we break stigma, we break shame, and then we're able to get the help and support that we need and that we are worthy of receiving. I love it. What inspired you to write the book, The Simple Difference, How Every Small Kindness Makes a Big Impact? Well, several things. One is I've often asked this question, but I feel like especially in the last two, three years where we just live in a place where problems feel so heavy, the divisiveness, just global crises. I mean, there's just so many things. And I find myself as a working mom with limited time, limited resources. And the thought can enter my mind of like, what can one person really do to make a difference? If I'm not called to be an overseas aid worker or be involved in human trafficking or these like bigger issues of our day, can I really make a difference? I remember even especially thinking that back when my boys were really young and feeling like, I talk a lot about this in my first book. My first book is called No Better Mom for the Job. It's about motherhood, but I just felt like a butt wiper and a milk machine. Like, what do I have to give? And even though, I mean, I think being a mom is amazing and such a gift. So kind of looking at the world's problems versus like my own kind of grappling with like, what is my purpose? Like, how can I make an impact in this world? And then partnered with that, recognizing how both people I know and people who I don't have made a lasting impact in my life through simple acts of kindness, 
whether it was a simple word spoken, a generous act of forgiveness. One time I hit a parked car, Tracy, and it was very embarrassing and I felt awful. And this woman, I tell the whole saga in the simple difference, but she forgave me. Like it should have cost thousands of dollars to repair. And she was like, don't even worry about it. It's fine. Thank you for the note you left on my windshield. That was so nice of you. Like these moments. And I realized that, wow, like one person can make a difference to another person and that that is worthwhile. And so that's really what this book explores to open our eyes to the fact that we can't always be problem solvers, but we can be people seers and the difference. I love that, that you say people seers. I've talked about this a lot because the podcast is about kindness and, Mm -hmm. and just sometimes you have to just slow down. It's really hard to see other people because I'm guilty. Like I've got my to-do list and I need to knock it off by a certain time of the day because we've got things going on. And so I'm going to run to this store and that store and you can get caught up in the to-do list and the checklist. But I really think when we slow down, that's when we can see people that we don't know, strangers, we can really see people and hold the door, do the little things, compliment somebody's shirt or whatever. So I love that you mentioned that because I really think that it's really hard to see each other when we are caught up in ourselves fully. Right. And we are so self-focused without trying to be selfish. Like, I don't think anyone is like, yeah, I don't want to be kind. Like, no, like we want to be kind, but I know like when I'm standing in the line at Costco, well, first I'm going to evaluate which line is the shortest, which line is moving (laughs) the fastest because I want to get out of there. And then as I'm standing there, I'm probably thinking about what am I going to make for dinner and how am I going to like meet that work deadline while scrolling Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing all these things at once and I'm just simply not even aware Is there someone who I could just smile at? Is there someone who has one item and I could make their day by letting them go in front of me? And so you're absolutely right. We have to battle our daily self-centeredness and just our culture of distraction. Like the first step towards kindness is just seeing people. Yeah. And would you say that kindness is a skill? Yeah. The skill, it's like a muscle that we have to work. I talk about how kindness can be awkward and we have to embrace the awkward because it is a skill and it can feel out of our comfort zone to reach out to someone, to say something when we feel prompted to, or to give something when we're not sure if it can make a difference. So yeah, it's absolutely a skill that we have to practice over and over again if we want to build a life of being kindness champions. I believe it's a skill as well. And the thing I love about that is skills anybody can learn. Yeah. It's not for the select or for a select few or for a certain type of person. Anyone can learn a skill if you want to bad enough. So that's why I just wanted to kind of see if you thought the same thing. There's a quote in your book. You said, imagine every person tosses a stone of kindness into their personal pond of influence, creating a ripple. My pond will be different than your pond, which will be different from the one belonging to the woman on Instagram and the guy across town. But what if every person in your family or at your church or on the planet cast a stone in their pond? Eventually, the ripples would overlap. And like a tidal wave of kindness sweeping over our communities, the landscape of lives will be changed in its wake. So when I was reading that, so many thoughts kind of ran into my head. A few, one being that reminded me of Mother Teresa's quote, which is one of my favorite quotes. And she says, I alone cannot change the world, 
but I can cast my stone across the waters to create many ripples. And I've mm-hmm. actually used that quote. I've given speeches at like MD Anderson, right? The doctors, the one giving the chemo and the nurses are saving lives, but without a clean hospital from the janitor, because your immune system is so suppressed, it takes a village. And so I really think like everybody's stone totally matters. And another thing I thought of when I was reading that was the name of this podcast is not Rock Kindness. It's Rock Your Kindness, because I believe Mm -hmm. that we all show it in a different way. And this world needs all kinds of different kindness, right? If showed it the same, it wouldn't be as effective. And I know I've been guilty of this. I see how somebody is so kind and I'm like, oh, I want to be like that. But it's just not how I show up in this world and show my kindness. For me, Mm -hmm. one way that I've always felt deeply that I show my kindness is being so present on social media and being real behind the scenes. So I talk a lot on struggles and stuff and being very honest and transparent about that so that other people don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. We can't all do that, right? Right. And so I love that you're acknowledging that it's going to be different. We all have different areas Mm -hmm. of life that we can do that. So just for me, there was so much in just that one little Mm. paragraph. Yeah, you're right on. That's exactly what I'm describing. And you kind of hit on both of them. One is that Every bond matters. And sometimes I think we can think, well, my circle of influence isn't that big. Like I don't have X number of Instagram followers, or I don't have X number of bank account dollars, not a quote influencer or world changer. Even if your pond of influence is your family or your roommates or the people who live on either side of you, like we all have a sphere of influence. And that matters to that one person that you let them know that they're not alone, that their life matters. Exactly what you're saying, Tracy, is that we don't have to show up in this world like so-and-so. Exactly how you are wired is on purpose for a purpose. And we will rob the world of our kindness when we are stuck in a trap of trying to be like someone else. Like, I have a friend and she loves to be in the kitchen. She makes amazing meals. There's been times where I've had sick kids or had surgery or something. And she will show up with this like smorgasbord of like amazing delights. And it it is so kind and it makes me feel so loved. Well, if I tried to be like Sarah, I would feel miserably because I am not culinarily gifted, but I don't have to be because like you, I often show up in the world with my words and I will text a friend and say, you are on my heart today. And here is the good that I see in you. And I'm cheering you on and I'm praying this for you. Sometimes we think about skipping rocks in a pond. And it's fun because every summer my family and I, we go camping and my boys love to skip rocks in the lake. And so I see this visual every year, but the amount of ripples that are magnified are not dependent upon the size of the stone. It's the way that it's cast into the water. And so a very small stone can have this lasting impact. And so that's the heart of the simple difference, that it really is simple, that it really is you seeing that worker, the person who's the cashier, and just saying like, thanks for being here. Like your presence makes a difference. Like looking into their eyes, how are you? And so I like to say like words of encouragement are the kind gift that we can all give without cost or limit. I think that is one of the foundational things that can make a lasting impact in the world. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And kindness truly is free. Of course, there are things you can do, like buying someone a meal it costs money. But a simple smile, that doesn't cost anything, right? Like you said, words of yeah. encouragement does not cost anything. So for those who are like, well, I don't have the money or the means mm -hmm. to do the kind of kindness I want to do. Well, let's just start with what we can do, which is a smile and acknowledgement, making someone feel seen. And I love that you talked about your friend. Did you say it was Sarah? Mm -hmm. Okay, because I actually wrote my friend down like in your book and you have like a list of things. My friend is Bonnie who does that. So it doesn't matter what holiday, there's a surgery, there's a birthday. She always bakes some type of goodie and leaves it on my doorstep. Because when I was prepping for our conversation, that's what got me thinking, right? First of all, I don't like cooking or baking. Like I would rather clean. It's just not something I enjoy doing. Thankfully, I have a husband who does like to bake and cook, right? So we balance. But me doing that would just feel inauthentic. And it doesn't mean I haven't yeah. done it in the past. Sure. But that's Bonnie's thing. That's how she shows kindness. I have a friend, Nicolette, who she does it through truly making people feel seen and with her hugs. And like there's nobody else in the room when you're speaking. Mm -hmm. So everybody shows up different. I think we all show up so differently but I can't imagine all my friends showing up the same way for me. I need a Nicolette. I need a Bonnie. Right. I need all those people who show up in this world and give their kind of kindness. And you actually, in your book, what I love about your book, because I'm a big believer in it, is you do share about you so that we know who Becky is. But what I love about it is you give like tips and tools. Like there's stuff to take away and that's some of the yeah. stuff I highlighted, like when you're talking about some of the things that we can do, some of the acts of kindness. It's like write a card, right? Like mm -hmm. who does not love receiving a handwritten letter? And you put in your book, leave homemade brownies on someone's porch. So we talked about our Bonnie and our Sarah. So this is one thing I do want to kind of dive into a little bit. But you make a whole list of all these things that we can do. And one of the things you say is just sit with a person in crisis. Mm. Be present in the pain or grief. And I hope you don't mind and I'll show you, but I like to write in my books. Yeah, no, I love like, that. I write and highlight. And the word that I put next to that was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes just sitting with a person who's in crisis, who's just lost someone, who just got a, a terrible diagnosis, that's uncomfortable for us. Yeah. You know, how do we move past that? Because then we just freeze we don't know mm -hmm. what to say. We say the wrong thing or we just can't be there because it's so uncomfortable. And then those people that we truly love because yeah. we're so uncomfortable with what they're dealing with, we don't come around. 
And I'm sorry, but I think that just causes more pain. And that can be a really hard, tough thing for the person who is struggling to deal with. So do you have any insight or tips or a story that how we can kind of get around that as uncomfortable as it makes us? I think the first step is just acknowledging that it's uncomfortable, acknowledging that I feel like culturally here in the West, like we don't do a good job of really being open in our grief or knowing how to do that in community. But for me, what I've learned over the years, it boils down to what do I value more? Do I value my own comfort or do I value being a person who's willing to show up? Do I value my comfort or do I value letting my friend or my family member know that they are not alone? I would rather be a woman who feels awkward and uncomfortable while being kind and loving. And sometimes we can think, well, I'll I'll wait until I'm no longer comfortable. No, I say do it uncomfortable, move through it. And to your point earlier about honesty, sometimes I can think of times where I don't know what to say, or I don't know what to do, or I'm worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing. And I just admit that when a friend has lost a child late, late in her pregnancy and to say, and I felt like God put her on my heart. And I just like to keep like little gifts on hand, like a candle and like a book and And I put in a box of tissues and I even know what else, but I just felt like, I just want her to know that she's not alone. And so I just show up on her porch with this hodgepodge. And I just even say like, this doesn't fix the pain and I love you. And I'm so sorry. Like, I think we can acknowledge both. I had another friend, she has six kids and her youngest three are triplets, which is just insane, right? Six kids and the youngest three are triplets. And one of the triplets when she was two year old was diagnosed with cancer. I actually share that story in the book and how we had a community who just rallied and we gave meals and things like that in really practical ways. But then a couple of years later, after that little girl was healed and doing well and had recovered, one of her other daughters was also diagnosed with cancer, like, and not even a related cancer, like something totally different. And just devastating. And I remember just calling Courtney. She lived now out of state and just like sobbing on the phone and just was like, I just heard, I just wanted to sit with you in the grief. And it felt awkward. I'm like, is this adding to her pain? Who am I to even call her? Like we weren't like best friends. Anyhow, she told me later, Tracy, like how much it meant to her to just have someone enter into the pain, to not be afraid of like, again, cancer again, And sadly, I know a lot of people who have walked through ongoing trials like that, they do, they say like that people rush in at the diagnosis and then they fade away because it's just too hard to walk in the suffering. But I've learned one of the most powerful things we can say is simply, I'm so sorry for your suffering, like just to acknowledge it. And sometimes that's all that we need to do. Yeah. We all have our things we deal with. And I've had a ton of health issues over the years and stuff. And for me, I would rather someone say the wrong thing than just say nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And just to be there and just drop off a basket. And like you said, it's not going to take the pain away, but knowing that you've been seen and acknowledged, Mm -hmm. it goes a long ways. It really does. I've had cancer many years ago, so it's close to my heart. Mm -hmm. I had someone come up to me last year and say, hey, my friend was just diagnosed with cancer. Any advice? And I said, don't ask her what you can do. Just do it. Don't say, can I come clean your house? I mean, if you need to just show up ready to clean, understanding what they're dealing with their diagnosis and stuff. But I said, don't ask if you can make a meal. Make a meal, Mm -hmm. 
and drop it off. Because I think sometimes yeah. too, it's hard when you're going through something, I think sometimes you can go into survivor mode, Absolutely. right? You can't process. You're just taking it a day at a time. And when people are like, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. I don't know sometimes that our brains can even comprehend and come up with anything because you're just focused on saving your child and all these other things. That's the advice I always give is don't ask, just do. Even in that, that can be uncomfortable because we have all these like what ifs that swirl in our mind. Well, well, what if I overstep or what if I make them uncomfortable? But I would rather default on showing up with love and grace and then giving that person the freedom like, hey, like if this meal doesn't meet your needs or you'd rather me not stay and visit, give that freedom, but show up because it will make a world of difference. And that first year when Courtney's first daughter was diagnosed, a bunch of us got together. It was like right before Christmas. And we knew that there was no way that any shopping was going to get done. And so we just said, Hey, give us a list for each of the kids. No, no, it's fine. No, please. Or if you can't, that's fine. We will just We'll just get stuff, but we rallied friends and no one could have met the needs of six kids, but everyone that we knew gave a little bit and we did Christmas and a bunch of us met at a friend's house and we wrapped those gifts. It was a gift to be in community and doing something for a friend. And then it blessed that family so much to know that that was taken off their plate. But if we would have asked, Hey, Courtney, what do you need? She never would have said, oh, I really need someone to buy all of my kids Christmas presents. And could you wrap them and deliver them? No, like, because that didn't even feel important compared to what they were going through. So yeah, I'm with you. Just show up, just do the thing. And I think by you doing that, especially when you're a parent, your kids get to witness that. Yeah. And that does something. And all kids are different, but my 14 year old is just the sweetest, most tender heart ever. He asked me, mom, what's that? He couldn't think of it what's a donor? Because we were watching something and I'm like, an organ donor? He's like, yeah, what is that? And I said, well, you know, sometimes when you pass away, we have like our heart and our kidney and lungs and stuff. And someone who maybe is your age is suffering and dying. And if someone dies, we can give them a heart, you know, trying for a 14 year old to comprehend without going Mm -hmm. to anything. And I mean, I'm just going to get emotional. He's like, mom, if I die, I want to be an organ donor. And I was like, wow, my, my sweet 14 year old, stop being so sweet. He's like, when do I get to make that decision? I said, mm-hmm. well, if when you're 18, you can make that decision. I said, but before then, if that's what you want me to do, I can honor that for you. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Becky. Like just was like, don't cry. Don't cry. You're so sweet. Oh my gosh. Let me give you a hug. Let me give you a kiss. I mean, just, but they see that. And he has seen people and things. And we did a Christmas or two ago we did something called Wishlist Wipeout. Mm. And it's with our community. I was, I've been blessed with a platform, right? And I pulled in a bunch of other content creators who also had platforms. And we made these wish lists for Christmas gifts. And it was a game. We made it into a competition. Who could wipe theirs out the quickest? And we had Russ on this podcast. And R- Russ won. And he got the trophy and everything. But Noah, my baby was a part, and I call my baby, I know he's my baby, but he's the baby <laughs> in the family. Yes. So he was a part of all of that. And all these boxes were showing up on our door, 10 boxes at a time, and I'm opening them and checking stuff off and making sure everything's coming and everything. And my entire living room was just full of boxes and he's sitting in the middle and he just got to be a part of that and never once said, what about me? What about my Christmas? Mm-hmm. What I want for Christmas? 
when he understood and knew what these gifts were for, because I explained it to him, we chose to do it for a church who gives out gifts to the less fortunate every year is what we chose. And because he understood what we were doing, he was so focused on all these kids who didn't have that he wasn't even focused on himself. As you've mentioned a few times is kindness in the home. You have a whole list of stuff in your book about kindness in the home. And it, it really does start in the home because it is a skill and we have to teach our children. I highlighted a few things, but you're like, kindness is getting a nightly snack for my husband. Kindness is folding another load of laundry. Kindness is cuddling with my kids when I have PMS. <laughs> but it's true. It is so true. Kindness is letting go of a grudge. And like you just put all these very simple things in there. And I love that you said this. Kindness is going to the store that has his preferred brand of milk. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And kindness is giving a compliment. And it starts in the home. I just love that because I think sometimes we maybe skip over that. I know sometimes I do. So it's funny that that chapter, it's called Kindness is Hardest at Home because oftentimes I do, I feel like I can give the best version of Becky when I'm out in the world and then I come home and I'm depleted and irritable. And and we all hopefully in a healthy home, the home is our safe place. And like, we shouldn't have to wear masks. Like it's not about being perfect or having a false positivity, but sometimes- and I think we can see this in our kids. They'll hold it together at school and be little jewels and they'll come home and fall apart. And, and we can do that as adults too. And so I was actually, I was writing the simple difference during COVID. So we were at the beginning when everything was locked down. So I was home with all of my people all of the time. And here I am writing this book about kindness. And I'm like, can you guys please be quiet? I am writing about kindness. And I was like, oh, plank in your own eye, Becky. Like I just was so convicted. And that was really like the impetus of like, this is a hard thing. And maybe you don't have kids or you don't have a spouse, but you have roommates. Or even if you live alone, like there are people who are in closest proximity to us. Maybe it's the person like you share an office with at work or the guy in the corner cubicle who drives you crazy. We all have these opportunities, the people that we rub shoulders with day in and day out. Like, how are we going to show up for them? How are we going to see them? So I feel like when we think about our sphere of influence, like start small, like how are you interacting and loving and being kind to the people that you do life with all the time? Think about that before you think about the stranger or like the outer layers of your influence. Yeah. I love that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
something that you said was showing kindness to the person who drives you crazy. I think sometimes when someone, you're not getting along or you're kind of clashing, maybe it's personality, Mm -hmm. energy, like whatever it is, there's always something. I was always taught, and I've seen it too, that when you serve them, it's really hard to hate someone you serve, Mm -hmm. right? Because it just does something to your soul. And your heart. I share a lot of my marriage and I've given tips and stuff on social media. And so that's a topic that I get DMs in my inbox about. And I had a friend at my last job who was struggling and I sat down and I came up with this whole plan. Okay, do this, do this, journal it. And I told her, I said, for 30 days, I don't care like how irritated you are with your husband. I don't care about any of that. I want you to do one thing. I want you to serve him. Mm. Even if you don't like it, even if you are just having a hard time, do just one thing to serve him. And then I want you to journal it. My point was, is for her to journal that. And then by day 30, her heart should have softened a little bit. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean our marriage was going to be fixed. It didn't mean any of that. But I wanted her to see what serving the person that's just irritating the crap out of her would do through journaling it. And then went through journaling it, looking back on day one or week one to week two to week three and to see, not perfect, but it softened her heart and to maybe continue Mm -hmm. to do that. There's something to be said about doing service, which is so in kindness, for people who get under our skin. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Love that. I want you to talk a little bit more about your journey and your path with anxiety. Well, like I mentioned, when I talk about anxiety, I think it is important to just acknowledge that we use this one term anxiety to mean a lot of different things. And I feel like that's a helpful distinction because sometimes people can be like, well, I'm anxious about this job interview, or I'm anxious about this. And that is true. It's kind of an everyday worry and concern. And then there's a whole spectrum to all the way of having an anxiety disorder, which you kind of want to just really, really simple way to classify it, to know like, well, is this like regular anxiety or like something more? And is it severe? And, or is it persistent? So is this something that is not just happening? It's not just tied to circumstances. Oh, like I'm in a really stressful season at work. Well, yeah, we're going to have anxiety about that, but is it persistent or is it severe enough that it's interfering with your daily life? I've definitely had highs and lows to my anxiety, but some of the things for me are not triggers, but symptoms where I'm like dealing with some anxiety, I'll get like a tightness in my chest. It'll feel like no matter how hard I try to take a deep breath, like I can't feel my lungs, a racing mind. Even if I feel calm, I just still have this like swirl of thoughts that I can't control. Anxiety and depression are also very linked for a lot of people. And so when I'm in a season of intense anxiety, I'll cry really easily. And I feel like I'll have this level of sadness that doesn't match my circumstances. I won't know why I feel so emotional. I'll be like, things are good. Like I have a good job and a good family. Like why? But it's like an emotional overwhelm that you can't regulate with the normal tactics that we would if we're feeling emotional. So that's some of what anxiety can look like for me. And so it's been a journey of learning to identify those things. Sometimes I can pinpoint triggers of like, oh, well, this happened. I'm a very empathetic person. I call it empathy overload, where I feel so deeply for what other people are going through that if I'm not careful, like I will just hold it all. A little everyday stresses or annoyances or difficulties will 
will just spill over. And so learning to, okay, well, how do I make space for myself? How do I make space for my anxiety or my sadness? How do I process this? And sometimes that has looked like journaling, mindfulness exercises, breathing exercises in different seasons. I am all for like getting professional help, meet with a counselor, also found that I need some level of medication often to not help me not to feel, but to bring my chemicals back into a normal range so that I can navigate those emotional differences. A little bit what anxiety looks like for me. From what I heard you saying, sometimes it can be situational induced. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if this is the right word, so correct me if I am wrong, because I don't have a lot of experience with it myself. And then maybe it's more of a chronic. Yeah, those would be good ways to describe. Because as you were sitting there kind of talking about some of the way it feels physically, I was like, oh, I was just recently diagnosed with something. And like all the stuff you're saying, I was like, I had that and I had that and I had that. Although with POTS, like some of the symptoms are a racing heart because that's part of the condition and stuff. I don't deal with it a lot, but I was like, I definitely Mm -hmm. think when we're going through certain situations, the situation can induce that. And, you know, I feel better now, but I wondered if when I was going through all of that, if that's what I was experiencing, but because Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of knowledge or history with dealing with it, I wasn't Mm -hmm. really sure what I was dealing with. Yeah. And that can absolutely be the case. And I can look back and see, oh, I would have these in my earlier life, in my teens, in my childhood and in my early adulthood, but I didn't have the tools to recognize like that was actually anxiety. When I was a kid, I would complain of these like chronic low backaches. My mom would take me to the doctor and they would do x-rays and check my muscles. And had I been injured and no, 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 no. And what we finally figured out was my body was physically storing my stress and anxiety. And so our emotions and our minds and our bodies are inextricably linked. So oftentimes maybe we're not even fully aware, like, oh, I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling anxious, but our bodies are telling us with some of those symptoms, those racing hearts. I remember one time standing in the kitchen with my husband and it wasn't a panic attack, but it was escalating. He doesn't deal with any kind of anxiety. And so it's difficult for him to understand. And I described like there's an engine in my chest and it's like a car that's idling. And so it looks calm. I'm standing here, I'm looking calm, but that engine is revving, 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 and it's flooding the car with all of this excess fuel. Or in my case, it feels like this excess adrenaline. I'm just like buzzing. And there's an incongruence with like, maybe like what I know is happening and what I feel is happening. And that can be a really unsettling and scary experience to have. So I... I'm grateful for my platform to talk about anxiety because not only do I think that it's helpful for those who experience it, but I've gotten tons of DMs and emails of people saying like, oh, like I didn't realize that's what my daughter was going through, or I didn't understand that that's what my husband was trying to tell me. They didn't have the words for it, but now I can understand a little bit better. Then that grows in us understanding and compassion, which is wrapped into kindness, right? Yeah. And there was two questions you can answer them how you want is someone who is suffering and dealing with anxiety, how do they show kindness to themselves? But then how can Mm -hmm. we show kindness to someone in our life that is dealing with it? Yeah. I've had practice at both of these things. First, if you are dealing with anxiety, the first thing I would say is to be gentle with yourself and to talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend. We are so much more understanding and compassionate usually towards a friend than we are to ourselves. 
To myself, I will tell myself things like, Becky, just get it together or just power through. It's not that bad. And actually at the beginning of the year, I was dealing with a really severe anxiety flare that felt like it was from nowhere, which also then feels really confusing because I'm like, I'm fine, but I'm not fine. I realized that it had been weeks and I recognized if one of my best friends or one of my kids or one of my sisters or anyone that I cared about, if they felt for a month, the way that I'm feeling now, I would gently say, it's time to get help. It's time to get support. So why don't I treat myself with the same kindness and care? So that's just kind of like a very basic, but like talk to yourself, treat yourself the way you would a friend. Our insurance had changed and my therapist was no longer covered, but if it was a friend, I would tell her like, it's worth it. Like you are worth spending that money out of pocket to go meet with your counselor, let her know what's happening. And then that precipitated me meeting again with my doctor and having another conversation there. And all of that was part of the healing and the care that I needed. So I'd say, treat yourself like you would a friend and be gentle with yourself. And then if you know someone who is struggling with anxiety, depression, or mental illness of any kind, there are several things I would say. First, I would encourage you to believe the person who is struggling. From the outside, it's really easy to give advice or to think, well, it it must not be really that bad. You have no idea what someone is actually going through. And especially the last couple of years, as we see suicide rates skyrocketing, it is so important to take mental health seriously. And I remember a couple of years ago when I was in a long, dark, hard season And I was sharing with a friend and I remember her asking me, Becky, are you having suicidal thoughts? Are you worried about self-harm? And I'm so thankful that she had the courage to ask me that. I'm also grateful that I wasn't having suicidal ideation. I wasn't in that kind of place. And I knew that that was hard. That's an awkward thing to ask. Maybe you're worried, like, are you going to offend someone? I was so grateful that she loved and cared for me enough to risk offending me or to risk me being like, what? No, I'm fine. But she asked it out of care and compassion because she took my mental health seriously. And I think the other thing is just to be that presence that we've been talking about, just to show up. I think we can ask really simple things like, do you want to tell me more about how you're feeling? How can I love you well in this season? I'm right here and I'm not leaving. I love you just where you're at. I think some of those simple things are so much more meaningful than it's not that bad or at least don't say at least to anyone struggling with anxiety or crisis. Like, well, at least there's always something to be grateful for. There's always someone who's in a worse situation. If you're struggling, that's really not helpful to hear. You just want to know that, that someone, they love you. They are there for you. They're not going away. You're not too much for them. But asking that question, like, what do you need from me right now? Or how can I love you? Well, Or do you want to talk more about this? Those are some really, really kind words that we can offer someone. And I think it's, and you said it earlier, but it's how you ask. People can tell if you're sincere and it's coming from the heart or if you're just doing a checklist, right? Like when people say, how are you doing? You can ask that. But then when you say, how are you doing really? Mm -hmm. And don't fill that space with words. Give them a second to respond. But I think it's how you say that. Those are good words, I think, to use. But then when you say it with so much sincerity behind it, they know Mm -hmm. you really want to know how they're doing really. You don't want to hear fine. 
good. Right. I think we do that. And I'm guilty of it myself. I think we do that because it's the polite thing to do. It's the, the nice thing to do yep. is just, how are you? And we're not really thinking about what we're actually saying. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so automatic. I love that. Those are really, really good questions we can ask. Is there anything that you want to mention about kindness or anxiety or anything that you feel like maybe I just didn't tap into in our conversation? Here's one last thing I would say is that I think when we are struggling with anxiety or depression or mental illness, or maybe it's a physical chronic illness, one of the messages that we can receive from society or just from ourselves is I don't have anything to give that I'm too broken. I'm too weak. I'm too needy. I'm too messy. Or on the other side, you know, we talked about like, I'm too awkward. I'm too uncomfortable. Like I'm too fill in the blank to make a difference. So I'd want to say is the message of the simple difference affirms and will show you that right where you are with exactly what you have, you have the ability to make a difference in this world. There's been times where I've just have felt at the pit And all I can do is to send a text to a friend who I know is also struggling and say, I am really having a hard time today. This is what I'm praying for myself. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm praying for you too. I'm not okay. How are you? Like even in our weakness, even in our lack, we can still rock our kindness by showing up in the world in our weakness. That can be a neutralizing ground. When you are willing to be honest, authentic with how you are, it's going to give someone freedom to know that one, that they are not alone and two, they can also show up in the world exactly as they are. I won't give it all away, but I share several stories, both in the simple difference. I also have a companion Bible study called courageous kindness. It's more about kindness, more personal stories in there along with scripture, but all about how in times where I felt like the small thing I had to give, I'm like, this feels ridiculous, or this feels humbling, or this feels awkward. But giving that very thing made an impact in someone's life in a way that I couldn't have imagined. And I know I'm not alone in that experience. So if you're anxious, if you're hurting, if you're struggling today, the world still needs you. Absolutely. I love that. So I thought as you were talking is be willing to go first, right? When Mm -hmm. when you're struggling and I get it, not everyone wants to share on social media, but there are people who feel called to do that. And we're willing to go first to open up that door for people. And then, you know, the too broken or too different or too much, those are usually the people who do a lot. Mm -hmm. It's usually the person who is too much for others or has too big of a personality or feels too broken. When you share that with the world, I think that's really what sets us apart. The things that make us different. We are so much alike. Of course, we are. And I believe in finding that common ground, right, to connect with the other human. But those things that make us different, those are the things that really set us apart and we should really dive into Mm -hmm. and not neglect those or think they're anything bad or anything because I really think those are the things that make us special. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Becky. I really appreciate it. For our community, if anyone wants to connect with you, where is the best place that they can connect with you? I love connecting on Instagram. So if you are on Instagram, come and find me at Becky Keefe. There I talk about anxiety and kindness and all the things. And if you found me through this podcast, send me a DM. I would love to know and connect with you. And then if you're not on Instagram, you can go to my website. It's beckykeefe.com. And there you can find out about my books and my speaking and the things I'm up to over there. Thank you so much. I want to leave you with some words from Becky's book, The Simple Difference. 
The small shift from self-focused to others-focused, from perception to action, is the beginning of the simple difference. The thing about love and kindness, or the lack thereof, is that we can rarely, maybe never fully, grasp its impact. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.